Hello, hello. Welcome back to Leading Women in Tech. It's Tony here. What a week we have for you this week. We're going to talk about being defensive, <laughs> one of my favorite topics. But before we do that, just a little update for you. You might have noticed that Black Friday is just around the corner. Actually, depending on your week, you might be listening to this on Black Friday. Yeah, you, if you are. We have a fantastic set of sales going on this Black Friday. We only do sales once a year on Black Friday, and today is the day. The sale does extend for a few days, but I want you to go and have a look right now because you might want some time to think about it. I totally get that. I do the same thing. So please go to the show notes and take a look. But what we have, two key things we've got sales on. First of all is our mini course on Executive Presence. This is Executive Presence 101. It takes you through the fundamentals around how to build executive presence, how to change the relationship that you have with your colleagues through your executive presence, how to change the way people view you so you get more done without as much resistance. It really like drills in really quickly. And the beautiful thing about this is like all, all my training is on demand. So you get instant access and they're all bite-sized trainings because I know how busy you are. <laughs> Most of these trainings are under 15 minutes. And if you're like me, I tend to watch things on double speed. Depends how fast somebody talks. Maybe you listen to this podcast on double speed. Apparently, most people listen to this on about 1.3 because I don't speak as fast as some people, but I also don't speak as slow as others. So that's apparently the average around here. <laughs> I listen to most things on 1.6 or 2, so, you know. <laughs> but if that's you, because it's pre-recorded, you get to watch it on whatever speed you'd like watch it, then I give you some homework. It's very actionable homework to go and immediately change how you interact with your colleagues at work. Watch one training, go to work the next day, change how you behave, practice that for a week, then do the next one. That's my recommendation. You can binge watch it all. In my experience, if you do that, you're not going to change things. So what you might want to do is binge watch it, then go back and do the first one, do the homework, and then just set yourself a reminder, like once a week, go and do the homework and see the change immediately. So... That's the first thing, 50% off my power pack for executive presence. And then more exciting than that, I think it's more exciting, <laughs> both are really awesome, is my Lit Up Leadership Academy. This is a membership where you can come in and you get to dig into everything leadership careers. We're talking confidence. We're talking communication for great leadership. We're talking your first 90 days in a new role, whether that is a new company, a promotion, or just a new project. We're talking how to land your next leadership role, the differences with an IC interviewee and a leadership interviewee, how you need to prepare your resume as a leader, how you need to be able to answer questions as a leader, an interview, all of those things. And absolutely everything you could possibly want on leadership. This is the leadership training. This is how it started. And then we've added the career side of it later because we realized people needed that as well. But the leadership training, this is the course I wish I had had when I was training to be a leader. And I just had to read textbooks after textbooks after textbooks. I'd go on week-long leadership programs, which were great, but then I wouldn't do anything with them because like brain dump all this stuff and then there's no time to implement. This is designed as bite-sized trainings. Again, you can tell I love that, where you learn something. And I say to you, now go off and implement it and then tell us how you get on. And we get coaching in there to help you with it. And it's just the most incredible program. Most of our members stay for over 12 months because it is just that powerful. So, but having said that, we've made it a membership so you can try it out for as little as a month. 
see how you get on. And if it's not for you, that's great. No problem. You just get to walk away, which is why this sale is so exciting for you. Because you can try Lit Up Leisure Academy today for half price. <laughs> We're going to give you your first month at half price. This actually means it's a loss leader for me because I have to pay coaches. I do some of the coaching, but I now have other coaches in there as well. And you're actually going to get more out of this than you're going to be paying for. It's that great. So I would strongly encourage you to go check this out. If you have been thinking about joining any of my programs this year, now is the time. We won't do this sale again until next Black Friday. Uh, we only ever do sales on Black Friday. We don't do New Year sales. So now is the time. <laughs> And even if you've been laid off, I, I, my heart goes out to you if you've been laid off or you think you're at risk of being laid off. It really does. It's such a stressful time. But we even have resources in there for landing that job. So please go check it out if you are needing that leg up. I just want to support every single one of you through that. Uh, my heart breaks for you all. So let's get on to today's topic, though. What to do if you feel defensive all the time? You're listening to the Leading Woman in Tech podcast, where we talk about real leadership and what this means for the world of tech, the techniques, tips, and strategies you can use to become a standout leader. I'm your host, Tony Collis, tech leadership coach, strategist, and coffee lover. And in each episode, I share my best insights designed to make your success not just simple, but inevitable. Whether you're on the way to the C-suite, an emerging leader, or a budding entrepreneur, this is the podcast you need to become a lit-up leader and turn your tech passion into a career you love. A few months ago, I was working with a client where our conversations kept focusing on her need to explain why she'd made a decision. Um, she'd made a choice or focus on a particular area in her work and how she could present this to her team, her boss, her peers in the best possible way. It became very clear that this theme was pointing to a bigger issue with her. She needed to defend herself all the time. She was feeling constantly attacked from all sides, reeling from one meeting to another, and she'd ended a downward spiral where her behavior was draining those around her. Her defensiveness was coming across as irrational and even concerning to those around her that she didn't know what she was doing, which meant they questioned her more and gave her more feedback that fed her negative emotional state. Yet we're talking here about how the way we behave really impacts whether or not people believe us, trust us, think we're reliable. She was being viewed as irrational. She was being viewed as somebody who just maybe didn't know what they were doing, was bluffing the whole time, simply because she was feeling attacked. And so she felt she had to be defensive. We had to break the cycle super fast because it was really damaging to her career. And ultimately, this can lead to being laid off. If you have this reputation, you are going to be the first person that a boss thinks, well, you know, we need to get rid of somebody. They're the person to go. I've even worked with people where they've come to me after being fired. And actually, when we dig into what was going on, there was a behavioral issue. And this is actually at the root cause of it. This need to be defensive. And I get it because a lot of the time we get like this because we're having such a negative experience. But there is a downward spiral. We get defensive because we're being attacked from all sides and we don't know how to handle it. And then our bosses get more abrasive towards us and it just spirals downwards. It's a horrible and heartbreaking situation. Thankfully, I'm just going to let the cat out of the bag right now. This, this client turned this around. I'm, I'm delighted to say that she is in an upward spiral now. So I want you to know that you can do this too. 
But the heartbreaking thing is, this story is very, very common. This was a fairly extreme case, but I've seen it in milder versions time and time again. And with the benefit of hindsight, I've had the same problem early on in my career. For me and many others, imposter syndrome, cultural stereotypes of being a woman in tech have a massive impact on this. Unconscious bias, even in the best intentioned people, can mean that they question women more than men. Even women question more than men. Yes, we need to change this urgently, but that will take time. By the way, up until fairly recently, if I did an unconscious bias test, I was biased against women and I do what I do. (laughs) I should have that stereotype really undone by now. And it took years of working with women and talking about how great they were to undo that unconscious bias in myself. So it's a thing, right? It is unpleasant. I wish it wasn't there. We do need to change it, but acknowledge that it exists in every single human who has been experienced to the stereotypes around women in the workplace. But in the meantime, we need to do something that helps position us in that authority, which starts with us being able to hold our own in these unfair situations. You then add in our imposter syndrome, which is more common in underrepresented groups. So we're adding unconscious bias and imposter syndrome together. And you've got the potential for a very negative situation. I often think if those two things didn't exist and they are related, I think one of the reasons imposter syndrome, in my experience, is far more prevalent in women in leadership in tech is because we're underrepresented, is because there's our unconscious bias. And so our imposter syndrome goes sky high. So they are related, but you put imposter syndrome, stereotypes, and conscious bias together, it's this is almost bound to happen. I actually that's why I have a job. I wish I didn't have a job from that point of view. I wish that I didn't need to do this. But this is why I specialize in women and why so many women come in and work with me in my programs and report how having worked with somebody who doesn't understand what it's like to be a woman in tech. Sometimes it's a male coach. Sometimes it's a coach that's never worked in technology. Sometimes, it, I mean, I've had people come to me who've worked with technology specialists, but they just do not get what it means to be a woman in tech, especially at the leadership level. So if that's you, I just, I get it. And that's why I do what I do. That's why this podcast exists because we are in a fairly unusual situation. Therefore, this is one of the situations where standard coaching just does not cut it. They may well have worked with coaches who are lovely, kind, well-qualified, but simply do not get what it's like to be a woman in tech. But the good news is that we can do something to break this cycle and break out of the downward spiral. And you'd be glad to hear that this particular client is really genuinely thriving now. She's even been promoted since because she is great at her job. We just needed to break this cycle and then show her bosses how great she is. Because actually it was her greatness that was part of the problem. She was frustrated. She needed to defend when she was being critiqued because she knew she had great things to say. She'd done great work. But when she was being critiqued, it was just hitting in the wrong way. But as soon as we broke that cycle, promotion landed. Okay, let's dig into what happens when we get defensive, how to break out of the cycle. When we get defensive, this is leading from a place of closed-mindedness, which can result in failing to hear others' feedback or ideas. We are just resistant to acknowledging that there's another way of looking at this. So instead of saying, oh, okay, yeah, I understand what you're saying, and then deciding whether or not to do anything with it, we entrench and we say, no, no, my way is the right way. It leads us to blame other people or for things they've done or lead us to blame events for mistakes because we don't own it. Because we're so scared at this point of 
the criticism we're receiving. There is nothing wrong with criticism, provided it's constructive, nothing at all. It's growth. It doesn't mean that what you've done is wrong. Sometimes it is. But the worst thing we can do here is throw other things under the bus, including events. I actually recently left um, working with somebody, um, somebody, a contractor I'd had, um, because I wasn't very happy with the service and it taken us a while to really like get to a point where I was okay with things. And at the end, I was just like, okay, I'm just going to give you some feedback here about, you know, what I would like to have differently. And this person just told me all the things that were wrong with her team, right? It was all the things that were wrong with everybody else. And I was like, wait, hold on. <laughs> I didn't actually say this to her. Uh, I would have done if we were having a longer term relationship. But as a contractor, like it, I'm not her boss. And she just wanted to blame everybody else for everything. And I'm just thinking to myself, own this. I'm giving you some feedback to up level here, up level your business, up level what you do so you can serve me better. Defensiveness never looks good, but throwing other people under the bus never serves you, very rarely anyway. There are a few exceptions. Almost every rule has an exception, I would say. But it always paints you in a bad light. If you're being defensive, you won't be able to keep a clear purpose or vision for your team as well. Being closed-minded, you lack the ability to learn from your mistakes or take responsibility and accountability. So rather than saying, I hear that, I got that wrong, here's what I'm going to do to improve, you just say, not my problem. That's the impression you're giving to the outside world. And actually, when you do that, even if your brain, you're telling yourself, yes, I will take this on board. I'll make sure this doesn't happen again. Because you're saying this outwardly, some part of your brain's going, not my fault, not my fault, not my fault, which means you're not going to learn from it. When we do this too much, your team loses faith in you. You'll have a hard time creating and maintaining relationships. Lack of trust, lack of just purpose in your team, lack of engagement, productivity drops. You're going to have to then get more defensive because your team's not going to be delivering to the standard and on the timescale that you were used to or that your bosses were used to. Suddenly you've got even bigger problems. You hurt your team as they want you to be leading them positively, encouragingly, in an open-minded way. Your team looks to you and emulates your behavior as well. So if they see defensiveness, then that's how they're going to behave and interact as well. One of the tools I use to diagnose defensiveness, because obviously I'm not in the room a lot of the time with my coaches when they're talking with their bosses. Occasionally a company will bring me in for that, but most of the time I'm working for the individual. They've hired me, not the company. And so I don't know what actually goes on. You're telling me what I hear. One of the best ways I use for diagnosing defensiveness, one, how they respond to me, but more important than that is whether their entire team is defensive to them, whether they feel like everybody around them is defensive, because quite often that's a signifier that they are also being defensive because your team emulates you. If you've been there for more than six months, they will be doing the kind of thing you are doing. They reflect it back to you. You'll also see engagement drop, morale, productivity, retention, or bottom out. When you're defensive as a leader, you undermine yourself as a leader. You compromise your ability to lead, and you lay a breeding ground for toxic behavior going on. And remember, defensiveness manifests in many different ways. And if you don't recognize yourself leading from a defensive standpoint and actually working towards an open-minded approach, it'll be you and your team who suffer. You'll find that you make excuses. They make excuses. Your team isn't interested in excuses. Your team wants to see that you share the blame, give credit, and take accountability. Yeah, this, this one sucks a little bit for us. 
you want to own your team's success, but give credit, but you also need to own their failures and not throw people under the bus unless, you know, you're actually trying to exit somebody, which point there's pips, there's things like that. You're actually going to the point of, right, we, we need to address this. I was actually talking to a client yesterday and we were talking about how to better handle dealing with a difficult colleague, raising this with your boss, not too early, not too late. And I said, like, I tend to go with a four-week plan. If you have weekly check-ins with your bosses, go with a four-week kind of process. The first week, you were just giving a status update. I mean, I think you should just inform your boss every week, whether that's through spreadsheets, notes, or in a one-on-one of like the status of the key things that they care about. So project status, is it on track, off track? If it's off track, give your, you know, give the high level reason why, not about the team, but like the the thing, the blocker that the team is experiencing. If it's an individual, the blocker is like, we've been struggling to deal with a situation. Like whatever that person is not doing, that's a situation. Um, and then say what you're planning to do. If you don't know what to do, by the way, this is the point you asked for some mentoring. But in general, try and say off track, but I got a plan. That's week one. Week two is it's still off track. Here's the the people involved. Here is what we're all doing. We're trying as a team to execute this. So you start talking more about the people in week two. It's still off track. Here's what we're doing. And again, maybe ask for some mentoring if you're not sure how to do it. Week three is when you start flagging up an individual. You start saying, I've been having some issues with this person. As you know, this project's now been off track for three weeks. It's really coming down to this one individual. This is the first time you mentioned the person is the problem. and But you immediately say, here's what I'm doing to address this. You can then say, any other suggestions for how to improve this situation more rapidly? Then in week four, that is your point to say, mm-hmm, red flag, I need help here. At that point, when we're explaining to our bosses that a team member is not delivering, and we do this every single week, they're just like, well, does anybody deliver? Do you just hard to work with? A great boss will dig into this with you, but not all will. So your team needs you to back them until the point of like, you can't back them anymore. So this isn't an, an excuse to say my team is perfect when they're not. This is about you owning their performance. I hope that makes sense. <laughs> okay, the next one, reacting poorly. If you're reacting angrily, your team will learn that you're not safe to talk to. And they'll become unwilling to approach you with important issues. So something going wrong, you show an emotional response. You might not think it's anger, but they might. As soon as our emotions get in our way, this is, by the way, Executive Presence 101. (laughs) Something we dig into in the Executive Presence mini course. Just side note, go check out the 50% discount on that one. Link in the show notes. But whenever we get that emotional response, we get upset in some way. If you don't know what that is, if you can't recognize that in yourself till later, that's some work to do and stuff, raising your self-awareness in that moment. People will view that in many different ways. Some people will see you as unreliable. Others will just see you as angry, but they will crucially become unwilling to approach you with the important issues. They will keep their heads down. They will not tell you what's going wrong until you're like, holy moly, what the heck? What's going on? Something's gone really wrong here. Why did I not know about this two months ago? So instead, give space for the issue. Take a moment or two before responding. Thank them for bringing it to you and then help them work through how to solve the problem rather than saying, what the heck? Okay, this is directly related to attacking the messenger. If you feel you need to attack or become argumentative towards a teammate who's bringing an issue to your attention, 
try to make a concerted effort to understand what the message is and why. Next one is rationalizing away feedback. Similar to making excuses here. If you're not open to hearing criticism and feedback, you can damage your reputation, the trust your team has in you and the relationships you're you're trying to foster. We really need to just be open to the criticism, be open to the feedback and say thank you. And if you do nothing else, say thank you for the feedback. Um, If you can in that moment say thank you for that, here's what I'm going to go action. If you want to go away and think about what you're going to do with that information, say I'd like to go away and absorb this and then come back to you with an action plan. Try and always be open to it. Even if you get an emotional response, again, executive presence here. If you know you get emotional when you get feedback, most of us do, by the way, it's kind of human. (laughs) If you don't and you haven't done the work to train yourself away from this, I'd be a little bit worried that you're a lizard. Just can I say that? (laughs) I, I don't know why we blame lizards for all these things. I think they have emotions. They just don't have faces like mammals do but (laughs) most of us experience this until we've done the training to allow ourselves to compartmentalize our emotional response it's hard hearing criticism I'm not diminishing that at all but notice your emotional and then have a go-to phrase such as thank you for that feedback I would like some time to go and absorb it can I come back to you with a bit of a plan to just then exit yourself from the situation and cool the heck down which is just going to mean you're going to maintain that good relationship. It's great executive presence technique for kind of any sticky situation. Okay, let's talk briefly about the psychology of being defensive. Being defensive is a common response to criticism. Becoming defensive is learned, yes, and ingrained over time, which is why most of us have it, but it's not everybody. I think society today encourages it. So it's a learned thing that we've been exposed to our entire lives we feel defensive when we don't feel valued respected included secure amongst our peers which is one of the reasons you get far more defensiveness in toxic environments because we aren't feeling valued and that defensiveness breeds more toxicity so it's just like a downward spiral for the entire organization if you feel everybody around you is defensive that's a sign of a toxic workplace my love it might be time to exit (laughs) or If you're in one of those amazing situations where you can do something about it, it's time to put in place a plan. Love to chat with you about that. But I just, I just love it when people can turn around toxic organizations, but you have to be a particular kind of leader and you have to have a certain amount of authority to be able to do it for the entire organization. You can do it for your business unit. I'm pretty sure we did a podcast episode on that at some point. If we do something wrong as individuals, we feel threatened. We become defensive because we are concerned about the reaction to us having done something wrong. And yes, this is amplified for us as women, being the only woman in the room, experiencing unconscious bias, mansplaining, hello. And of course, our own imposter syndrome. So then, what can we do about it? Well, let's talk about the tools and techniques to recognize you are being defensive and step away from it back into a place where you feel calmer and more collaborative. Okay, number one, Work to foster a culture of collaboration. Without a culture of collaboration, you'll find that silos start to develop between departments or teams, and a culture of defensiveness will start to develop. Um, A few episodes ago, we had three VPs of engineering on the show talking about pods, amongst other things. One of the reasons when I was working with these women, they came to this conclusion of doing the pods is to build more collaboration across business units. They would have program managers in the pods, QA, designers, 
as well as the engineers. And it just it massively improved collaboration between the different types of people in the organization where normally, you know, engineering would be working over here on the project and then they'd go and have a weekly meeting with product, design, QA, whatever it was. Foster a culture of collaboration wherever you can. Try and encourage everybody to give and take as, as much as possible. Take a pause and check in with your feelings when an issue, feedback or criticism is delivered to you. But like I said, take a pause, reset, raise your self-awareness. Do you feel like you're sweaty? Do you feel like your stomach knocks? Do you get achy shoulders? Do you get a headache? Do you get migraines? Sometimes you'll only notice half an hour later, oh gosh, I'm a bit stressed out because you'll have one of those symptoms. In the moment, the physical symptom often comes up first. So that might be something to do. That's just a quick self-awareness raising exercise. Like what are your physical symptoms? And you might notice them first in that moment. Don't respond right away. Collect your thoughts. Have some go-to phrases, like I said before. Thank you for that. Let me just go away and absorb that and come back to you. Have a go-to phrase and allow yourself to come back. Now, occasionally you don't have that luxury. You are expected right here, right now to respond. There's no exit. What do you do? I think some go-to phrases are still great, such as, thank you for your feedback. I take that on board. And then I disagree with this because... I would be very wary of doing that because that is defensive. I would instead like you to say something like, can you help me understand this more? Can you give me a specific example of when this happened? Get that. And then if you really fundamentally disagree with them, you can say, I tend to disagree. I hear your concerns. Here's what I would like to do moving forward. Right? So you're, you're, you're acknowledging their concerns, but you're not agreeing with them. And I think that is as far as I go in terms of defensiveness. It's not saying I did that because X, Y, Z. It is saying I disagree with you politely, but I hear that you're, you know, bothered by this. And so here's what I'm going to do to move forwards with it. That is a much more powerful response than I did that because all these things, don't you understand? <laughs> it will get you a lot more respect. If possible, though, I'd really prefer it if you went away if it's ever possible, get yourself out of the situation, get yourself to cool down and then say, is there any valid validity in this? How do I want to respond? In general, your response should be something like, here's what I'm going to do moving forward, which might not be much of a change. Just going to say that. <laughs> Sometimes bosses just want to be heard. Sometimes teams just want to be heard. They just need to say, I do not like this. And then you can decide to disagree, but you don't need to tell them. You just need to say, Thank you for that feedback. Here's what I'll do moving forward. And actually do the same thing. Maybe just change your communication a little bit. Okay, next point. Find some part of the criticism or request that you can honestly take responsibility for. This is a great way to allow that to backwards and forwards discussion. Talk about that thing. Stay on that topic until you can see a bit of relief in the team member in front of you. So some small thing... Every single one of us can improve communication. I don't think there is a person on this planet who can't say honestly that their communication is spot on 100% of the time. So that's a good place to go because more often than not this communication, whether it's written, verbal. I mean, having said that, I will often say to clients when they've had some criticism about their communication, not to get in it with them, I will give them an honest critique of what I think. And a lot of the time I'll be like, actually, your, your communication is not bad at all. Like, like I've seen way worse. 
I think the thing is here, something else went wrong. And so the feedback latched onto the communication. That isn't to say we can't improve our communication though. And I do think we should always be doing that. I just like towards give you a little bit of perspective. Like that's probably not the thing that caused it. But if in doubt, bring that up, dig into that because you know what? That can always be worked on. Focus on something that you can honestly take responsibility for. Talk about it, stay on topic, let the team member have that relief that they need. Defensiveness can also be reduced when you feel secure in your group, when you're respected and valued. So look for ways to fulfill those needs that will help you become less defensive and more responsive to feedback. Okay, let me just give you a little bit of a summary because there was a lot in here. So first of all, we talked about the downward spiral of defensiveness. Then we talked about when we get defensive, what happens to us, um, how that downward spiral gets in place, how our team loses faith in us, how it hurts our relationships, how it manifests in different ways, how it comes up in toxic environments when we're making excuses, how we react poorly. Um, We talk about how we rationalize away the feedback and attack the messenger. Then we looked into the psychology of what's going on, why we experience it. Then we talked finally about things we can do about it from fostering cultural collaboration to raising our self-awareness to looking at how to build a better, more secure environment. Okay, as always, let's finish up with a mindset tip. Remember that we get to tackle this behavior by slowing down. I say this all the time, slow down to speed up, people. Slow down to speed up. You aren't going to magically wake up tomorrow and not feel defensive. You're going to have to train yourself to behave this way. Start by practicing the executive art of noticing and pausing. You need to notice that you're being defensive so that you can do something about it. If you've been resonating with today's topic, I'd urge you to make this a priority for a month. Start by checking in once or twice a day for a month on the question, when was I defensive today? If you do that for a month, you'll likely find you can start noticing in the moment instead of just with the benefit of hindsight that you're falling into this trap of being defensive, this downward negativity spiral and everything blowing up around you. Once you've trained yourself to notice you are being defensive in the moment, you need to learn to emotionally pause. Take a breath in and out, pause. What will feel like an age for you may just be a few short moments for someone else. If you need an excuse, write something down as if you're trying to take notes, but focus on your emotions instead of your notes. If you're on Zoom, this is great. I tend to take all sorts of notes on Zoom. People can't see what you're writing. (laughs) You can just write nonsense or you can write words that reflect your emotions. It's absolutely fine. When you pause, you can then start to take the actions we've been discussing today. But without that mindset of noticing and pausing, the work is impossible. So give yourself the benefit of slowing down and focusing on bringing this one front and center. That is this week's mindset tip. Do not forget, if you have found this exciting, this is the kind of stuff I dig into, actually both in the Executive Presence mini course, we talk about the self-awareness piece a lot in there, noticing, pausing, reframing. Um, So that's a great one to go into. And then of course, this and all sorts of other topics are what we cover in Lit Up Leadership Academy, a mixture of recorded live training and coaching. And both of those are half price right now in our Black Friday sale. So until next time, remember, stay in your tech leadership game, follow your dreams, because the world really does need that uniqueness that you bring as a leading woman in tech.
If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, check out how to get more of my help and some free resources. It's where I take what I talk about in this podcast and really help you apply it. Hop on over to tonycollis.com and check out Work With Tony and free resources in the menu bar. Until next time, this was Tony Collis on the Leading Woman in Tech podcast.